0: Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and success strategies. Hello, I am Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. Our segment today is brought to you by BOMI, B-O-M-I iorg They are the ultimate in facilities and property management training. Visit BOMI.org. org. Well, today we're going to talk about industrial real estate, warehouse, flex space. And I think everyone is excited about industrial because of, you know, online sales, right? It's growing everywhere. And industrial has been doing well. There's also been uh, more spec space. As I talk to developers and and look at the market, there's uh, more spec space than I've seen in the past because industrial developers seem to be fairly conservative in nature, but we're seeing a lot of spec. But uh, well, let's see what's going on. We're going to talk to an economist about that tracks the market about how performance is, how cap rates are, and how things are kind of performing around the country. Uh, We'll also talk to a developer and get his take that is building spec and see what he talks about uh, and shares with us today. Let's start with Barbara Denham. Barbara is senior economist with Reese, and they track the commercial real estate market. She's joining us on the phone. Barbara, thank you for being with us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, Barbara, how are industrial properties uh, performing around the country? Are things just still going great?
1: Uh, they are going great as of the third quarter. Uh, there's a bit of a correction in the industrial market. In the first two quarters, we saw uh, continued strong construction, but net absorption or occupancy growth was positive but slower. So in other words, a year from now, I was calling this out the MVP of the commercial real estate world. It had strong occupancy growth, strong rent growth, and then there's a little bit of a slow deceleration, let's say. not wasn't a slowdown. It was a deceleration in the occupancy growth. So vacancy rates picked up a lot because, as you mentioned, there's a lot of speculative construction going on. Um, But they only picked up a very little bit for two quarters. And then the third quarter, it was kind of a return to uh, the very strong, robust growth we saw last year. I think what we saw in the numbers was that the trade war concerns Put a little bit of a hesitancy in the market for, say, um, you know, lessors uh, taking on more space in the first couple quarters. But then by the third quarter, I think the trades the numbers and the the demand was just so much that everyone resumed where they had been six months prior.
0: Okay. And what's that doing to rental rates, Barbara?
1: Well, uh, likewise, we saw a little slowdown in rent growth in the first two quarters, but uh, still positive. Um, usually, last year, the rent growth was over 1.2% per quarter, so it was over 5% for the year. Um, that slowed down to 0.4% in the second quarter, and but it, re- again, returned to 0.8% in the third quarter. So it was much stronger uh, in the third quarter. So things seem to be kind of back to where they were last year.
0: Okay. And when you look at new supply, Barbara, um, does it jump out as being... Normal for kind of historic numbers? Or are we seeing more new supply than we've maybe ever seen?
1: Oh, it's definitely higher than we've ever seen. Um, much, uh, the, I mean, 2017 was higher than 2016, which was higher than 2015. 2018 is looking to be higher than 2017 by the end of the year. And 2019 looks pretty darn strong as well, maybe not quite as strong as this year, but then we see a bit of a slowdown in 2020. Um, It's hard to track future construction for the industrial sector because um, the time it takes to build an industrial building is much uh, shorter than, say, an apartment building or an office building. So, you know, someone can file a permit and have a building built in nine months. So it's hard to look forward and say, oh, you know there 's not as many permits out, so there won 't be as much construction um that that 's just not the case because again it, it, the turnaround is so quick, um, but we still see very, very strong construction this year and next
2: yeah, yeah well
0: that 's a good point. I think we 're about to bring some industrial property for on the market that 's never been on the market, and I think it 's in an area where somebody's going to want to build you know right away and it 's never been. Available before, and, and, and you're right. That could come up uh, maybe toward the end of of 2019. So, what's that doing to cap rates? It seems like when we're we're marketing industrial properties, the the larger the better, but the the cap rates seem to be still compressed. What are you seeing overall?
1: Uh, yeah, cap rates have been in the 7.1 to 7.7 percent range. So, not a lot of volatility. In the overall uh industrial sector cap rate trend, unlike you know the apartment in the office market where you see a little bit more volatility um you know it's it's a it's a solid sector, and uh you know the investor interest is very strong sales volume has been very strong uh it, it's kind of increased every year last year it was over forty four billion The prior year, it was uh, 38 billion, and then prior to that, it was 34 billion. So it's definitely on pace to see about a 40 to 45 billion uh, volume of sales that we're tracking. So it's it's a very good market. Um, Almost every what we're also finding is almost every single submarket, at least in the third quarter, every submarket is showing positive rank growth. So there's really no area where we're saying, oh, there's there's something to be concerned about here. You know, there's definitely slower rent growth in, say, the Midwest and, like, the Ohio and and Indiana areas. Um, And even Chicago's not as strong as it had been. But other than that, we're seeing very strong rent growth, especially along both the coasts, like Florida. California markets are are really, really strong, especially the San Bernardino-Riverside metro. Um, Texas is still very, very strong. So, So it's definitely a good market to be in right now.
0: Okay. And if you looked at a trend line, if you will, for cap rates um, in in this year so far, maybe last year, how are cap rates trending right now? Are you seeing any change there?
1: Yeah, it's a very, very, very slight decline. So it was like an average of about 7.6% last year, and now it's down to about 7.2%. So that's not a dramatic drop. Um, So, But it's still not nevertheless a drop. There just hasn't been as much volatility in the cap rates for industrial sector as, you know, you see in, in other markets.
2: Yeah.
0: So what do you expect moving forward, Barbara, for the industrial market?
1: Well, as long as, it, you know, right now the trade war still seems to be like talk. Um, I'm sure some sectors are feeling it more than others, especially like the construction industry with the steel prices and things. But it's still too early to say, oh, you know, the, the, the drop in exports or the drop in imports definitely affects um, the industrial sector. It's just too early to determine that because it's still not firm changes in any of the tariffs. It's all just talk. So our our short-term outlook is still very positive. Certainly the retail sales numbers show that uh, consumers are still buying a lot of goods, and um, so consumer demand is very strong, and and the trade statistics and the retail statistics are pretty strong, and I'm looking at both... Uh, goods, serv- goods trade and services trade. Uh, so it's still on track to stay at the same pace as last year. It's just this, this tariff war issue is still kind of like a, a big question mark.
0: Okay. We're talking with Barbara Denham. She's senior economist with Reese, and we're focusing on industrial real estate. And, and Barbara, you guys separate industrial kind of into flex, I guess, into kind of more warehouse. Where do you see for fluctuations there? It seems like uh, flex is kind of, kind of sometimes rolls a little bit with the office market.
1: Um, yeah, flex is not, uh, we don't see as much construction in mm-hmm. flex. Um, and as we do in the warehouse distribution, most of what's been built is um, warehouse distribution. People want the bigger, the better. Sometimes even not just the the square footage of the warehouse distribution, but the cubic. Uh, you know, it's higher ceilings, more logistics. Um, so they're, they're, they're seeing very similar patterns. Um, the only difference was in the third quarter. There was a bit of uh, a decline in the flex R&D vacancy rate, whereas the warehouse distribution distribution sector, it was more flat. So I think because they're building more warehouse distribution, the decline in vacancy isn't as sharp. Um, But both of them saw a bit of a slowdown in the first two quarters.
0: Yeah. When you look at the numbers overall, where might there be some opportunities? Are there certain property type sizes or markets that kind of jump out to you? Uh,
1: No. I mean, they're all, like I said, they're all doing uh, reasonably well. Um our we're about to roll out a whole new set of sub markets. Like right now we only cover forty eight um industrial sectors and we're gonna almost we're gonna more than double that. Wow. So I think a lot of people are aware of like places where it's tight. I just had a conversation with somebody who was telling me that in Reno Nevada, which I think is one of our newer markets, there's just no available space. Um, and he was just telling about how you can't lease space in some markets. Most of them are the smaller ones. Mm-hmm. So, like we're going to add uh, Harrisburg and uh, parts of the uh, Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania. That's a um, kind of a tourist hub that a lot of people aren't really aware of. Um, but it it's got a good intersection of different highways. Uh, so, you know, it's those kind of smaller markets that aren't um, on the on the top of the radar screen uh, that I think probably have a lot of opportunities.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I was just talking to a foreign investor yesterday and they're, they're saying, look, show me some tertiary, show me some secondary markets because mm-hmm. I really think I can get a, a greater yield there and still markets that are showing good population growth. And, well, Barbara, what would you leave our audience with related to uh, industrial today?
1: Um, I just that our outlook is still very positive. Um, we still see strong occupancy growth and uh, rent growth, and uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a good, safe sector to be in.
0: All right, well, I'm doing the Snoopy dance, Barbara. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. All right, well, stay with us. We're going to talk to someone who can give us some insight on the ports because when you look at the ports and what's going on there, it can be an indicator of things to come for a lot of the economy and a lot of commercial real estate and certainly industrial. And as a prominent promised before, we're gonna have a prominent developer get his view from his desk. Stay with us, I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show.
2: Would you like to be the top producing commercial broker in your office? Check out Michael Bull's video training. Since you're a show listener, you receive 10% off your first purchase.
3: At checkout, use discount code CREshow. Visit CommercialAgentSuccess.com.
0: Are you looking for proven property management and facilities management education? Visit BOMI.org. That's B-O-M-I, Building Owners and Managers Institute International. They are the trusted source for education in the property and facilities industry. Visit BOMI.org. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. This segment is brought to you by my company, Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com or give me a call. Well, today we're talking about the industrial real estate market. And, you know, I like to talk to economists and I like to talk to analysts, but I also like to talk to people who are in the trenches, who are developing buildings, own buildings, selling buildings, buying them, and brokering them. Well, please welcome my next guest. It's Larry Callahan. And Larry is executive, chief executive officer of Patillo Industrial Real Estate. And he's here in Studio One. Larry, thanks for being with us again. Glad to be here again, Michael. Thank you. Well, uh, Larry, you guys have a lot of, uh, of industrial properties. You guys have been very active for a long time. You've been through A lot of cycles, (laughs) and this is a pretty incredible one. What
3: do you see from your desk in the marketplace today? Well, I'd call the current market the best market that I've seen, and I've been doing this for uh, 33 years now. So, um, you know, there's a lot of numbers that get kicked around. One of them that uh, is important is vacancy rates, and you know, people report different rates, but most of them are saying this is about as, as low a vacancy rate as we've seen. And usually, um, in real estate cycles and economic cycles, there's a point where people get over-exuberant mm-hmm. and they start building too much. Um, and you know, that has been long history. But um, right now, we're seeing strong continued demand, low vacancy rate, rising rents. Um, you know, it's, it's a good market and, uh, and we feel good about it, good enough about it that even at this stage, uh, you know, this recovery's been going on since Really, 2009. Uh, So we're closing in on 10 years into it, and even at this stage, we're building speculative buildings. So we're we're feeling good, and we're putting our money where our mouth is. Yeah,
0: well, that's interesting because I think of industrial uh, developers and owners as a fairly conservative uh, bunch, and then I think of your company's been around a long time. I think of you guys as being pretty conservative, and uh, for you guys to be building spec, uh, I think that's saying something.
3: Right. Well, this has been, um, you know, it's been an interesting cycle. And I think one of the characteristics that's most notable has been that uh, the restraint that has been part of it, Um, you know, the downturn that we had was a serious financial crisis. And, you know, the bankers still remember (laughs) that. And money has been available uh, through this cycle, but it hasn't been available to everybody. It's been available to good sponsors doing good projects. And that has been a characteristic through all this. So we're... Um, As late as we are in this cycle, um, you know, this expansion has not been a rip-roaring expansion. It's almost 10 years old, and the economy has grown by about 21%. If you go back to the 1990s, when you had a similar length in an expansion, at this stage, we're sitting right now, the economy had expanded by 39%. So 21% what we've had now versus 39. So the point is, recessions come about because of misallocations of resources where we overdo the party and do too much. This has been a very subdued uh, cycle. We are now at a turning point, everybody needs to pay attention to it, that the Federal Reserve was for a long time very accommodative, they were trying their best to keep interest rates virtually at zero for short term money. Well, they've started raising rates, and they've done it eight times now over the last 33, 34 months. So, But if again, if you go back to the last time they were tightening, which was 2004 to 2006, they went at 17 straight meetings, they raised the rate. And they raised it from 1% to about 5.25%. So it was a much more dramatic and faster increase. You know, only raised it 8%, only raised it from zero to 2.25 now. So yes, we're in a, a tightening cycle. They're trying to send a signal to the market. That is something we need to pay attention to. But the cycle of growth has been relatively subdued. And the cycle of restraint on that growth has also been relatively subdued. So we've still got a strong economy. Uh, this late in the cycle, we just had you know, one of the more rapid growth periods, we had a quarter where we grew at about 4%. We're unlikely to continue a 4% pace for the whole year. It's more likely to be 3 for the overall year. But still, that's a lot better than the average has been during this 10-year cycle. Because if we only grew 21% in 10 years, we were growing at around 2%. Now we're at 3%, that's 50% better. So in terms of why do people feel good about where we stand and where we're going, it's because we got uh, not a lot of excesses, still relatively inexpensive money, availability of money from all sorts of locations, and people are still doing smart things that are in tune, at least as we're seeing it, with what the market is asking for. So we're, we're feeling good about things. Yeah,
0: and part of the industrial boom is, is really the retail boom, right? Uh, people, consumer confidence, increased wages, increased employment, um, lower tax rates, putting more money in people's pockets. Uh, Is there any part of of that that would make you think that, wow, could could this retail buying power that's fueling a lot of this industrial development keep going at this
3: pace? Well, we we feel good about the move into e-commerce as industrial developers. Uh, because uh, it has created tremendous strain on retailers. Uh, just this morning, there was discussion of Sears possibly discussing another round of bankruptcy. That was in the Wall Street Journal today. Um, and you know, there, there have been others that have gone under. You know, Toys R Us recently. You know, Circuit City back a decade ago. There's there's a whole series of retailers that have been hurt by the changes in the retail economy. But where is all that? Buying gone well. It's gone to online sales, and how do online sales work? Well, you sit at your home and you you click on something, and you know it shows up on your on your doorstep. Well, it didn't come usually out of your local retail location. It came out of a warehouse. So there's been a, a big move toward retail coming out of warehouses, fulfillment centers, as they call, and uh, and that's been been a huge trend. So. There's a lot of change going on in that area, and we can talk more about it if you, yeah. if you want. But um, um, it, it is retailing. People are still buying things, and online retailing is growing at about 10% a year. So that's strong growth, and it has fueled, it's been the wind beneath the wings of industrial. Yeah. Uh, big changes, and people are redoing their distribution centers uh, to, to create a network to be able to deliver something to you not just what you ordered, but doing it quickly.
0: Yeah, and let's talk about that. I mean, you know, I remember watching the Jetsons when I was a kid. (laughs) You know, they'd push a button and things were there. And now everyone uh, does want uh, delivery uh, right away. They'd like it next day, same day. They'd like it immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you see from your desk, Ray, to kind of this last mile uh, craze?
3: Well, um, you know, in in the industrial world, uh, one of the things that's become uh, very common is, when an older facility, smaller facilities come available, it's advertised as a last mile facility. Um, and and I, that's become common usage. Uh, not every one of those smaller buildings is actually gonna be an online retailer you know, distributing through a 20,000 square foot building. I actually think that we're in the early stages of people actually implementing a last mile delivery system. Um, the delivery system that has been in place for a while for the, especially for pure online retailers, was uh, you ordered something, they had a huge warehouse, and they out the back door handed it to the post office or FedEx or UPS or DHL, and, and they were your last mile delivery service. Um, there's a lot of change going on right now because the, the big uh, regional distribution networks have been built out by some, and there are more that are still building out these regional distribution networks. But they're now trying to figure out, how do we actually get it faster to the customer? Well, one answer is going to be more smaller buildings surrounding where the population is, and as close to the population as they can possibly get it. So that's something that's happening. And then the other thing that's happening is the old brick-and-mortar companies, they didn't just give up and say, you know, Amazon's going to take over everything. You know, Home Depot and Target and people like that are realizing, hey, we've got last mile facilities, they call them stores. (laughs) (laughs) Like Home Depot's got 2,200 North American stores. And every one of those stores is a potential last mile delivery facility. In fact, more and more of what you click online to order is actually coming out of a store. Uh, So this is a big, big shift. um, And I think you're gonna see more of it. Target, uh, well, I guess go back up and say Home Depot about 2015, uh, integrated their strategies for delivery of things that have been ordered online. It used to be that uh, when, when this first happened and everybody started shifting to online purchases, it was uh, common that retailers would set up an online division and then they still had their stores. Well, a lot of them have come to the conclusion that it's wiser to have one network And when the order comes in, figure out what the smartest way is to get that to the customer. If somebody has ordered something and it happens to be sitting in a distribution center that is 400 miles away, you can ship it from there, but that same item might be in the Home Depot store or Target store that is one mile from that person's house. So a lot, in fact, I think it's the majority at this point, of what Target is doing with online purchases are coming out of their stores, mm-hmm. and the stores are actually the fulfillment centers. Right. So people are, are integrating their strategies, and even what was completely an online business at one point, um, Amazon has acquired Whole Foods, and one of the things that got out of it was the delivery network, <laughs> right. So and they're learning from that. So a lot of changes there. And the, I'll mention one other one that I think uh, a lot of folks uh, are gonna start paying attention to more and more, uh, which is that lockers of various sorts are gonna start affecting real estate of almost all sorts. Uh, You're already seeing them in Whole Foods or Publix or Kroger, anybody, uh, have got the um, uh, little uh, lockers and sometimes refrigerated lockers up front where somebody has ordered, uh, a service has gone around, and. Uh, shopped for you and put it in the locker and you come by and pick it up. Well, that's one example, but there will be more. Um, I actually watched the other night uh, Shark Tank on television, if you ever mm-hmm. watch that. Sure, yeah. I like it. And there was a guy on that show and what he was doing was trying to get funding for a um, uh, a locker that would basically be sitting on your front porch. It had a special key and things like that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are uh, people out there trying to find the best solution, and there's unlikely to be just one solution. But um, the idea of you click on something and something that may be worth $300, 500 or $1,000 is just sitting on a box on your front porch, you know, there have been a lot of people that have, you know, taken advantage of that situation. Right. And I think that there's gonna be um, any number of new solutions for more security in the delivery process.
0: Yeah, and that makes sense uh, because one of the things that uh, is out there now is Instacart, right, where they're delivering groceries. And my son um, worked for that, he's in college, and he did a little bit of that delivery and he's, and he's running around really fast, putting things in, that just what the customer wants. The nice thing for the customer, too, is not only do they have to not go there, they're not tempted to buy all this other stuff, right, right. and bust their budget. And then it just gets delivered to their door. But, like, but if they're not there, you know, the, that stuff just sits
3: on the porch. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, and it's good to have your groceries. I mean, you can have them delivered to your front porch, and yeah. tell you the time and everything else. But yeah. you know, think about your life. Uh, yeah. You know, sometimes something comes up. You you know, you go somewhere else. And yeah. Do you want your, your your milk sitting on the front porch for three or four hours?
0: Yeah. So. Well, I I want to take a short break, Larry. But I want to ask you about construction costs and how that's impacting uh, your business and industrial real estate and, and what you see moving forward for you know, values of property in the market. So stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. This segment is brought to you by Bomi.org. That's B-O-M-I. They have the industry standard for facilities and property management training. Ch- check them out at Bomi.org. Well, today we're talking about facilities. We're talking about industrial real estate, and you know what a boom industrial real estate's had. And one of the things that Im- impacts the real estate market in general and in every sector. But certainly in industrial real estate, too, are rising construction costs. So we have Larry Callahan with, with us here today. He's a chief executive officer of Patillo Industrial Real Estate. And, and Larry, what are you guys seeing for rising construction costs in, in your day to day business these days?
3: Well, um, you know, there, there are risks right now because uh, of tariffs, mm-hmm. and uh, that's affecting metals. And um, it, the real key with tariffs is not uh, just how much they are, it's when they go in effect and how long they stay in effect. Um, so uh, that that does have, offer some potential risk. We are seeing a gradual rise in the cost, nothing dramatic at this point. And I've seen people talk in other segments of the industry where they're seeing more dramatic increases. Um, our our product is uh, in, in terms of the building of the product, uh, it's concrete and steel are the biggest components and. Um, you know, So steel going up is a significant thing, but we haven't seen anything terribly dramatic yet. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, imposed um, tariffs, and we've had a lot of threatened tariffs, but in terms of the total impact on us at this point, I would say it's moderate. Mm, interesting.
0: Um, and as you're looking for, uh, you're, you guys are developing new product mainly, right? Rather than, than buying product. So mm-hmm. as you look for sites, is it getting a little harder to find big flat sites that are buildable in the right spots?
3: Well, there's, there's no question that that is a problem in mm-hmm. the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people that have substantial amounts of money and expertise and are trying to build out a portfolio and they can't find the place to build it. Mm-hmm. Um, we as a company, Patillo Industrial Real Estate, own a lot of entitled uh, land uh, that's already zoned in in great locations, mm-hmm. what we call outperform locations. So um, we actually aren't suffering from that problem as much as others in the industry are, mm-hmm. uh, and we know it because some of them offer to buy our <laughs> our <laughs> right. land. Uh, right. And there are occasions when we actually sell mm-hmm. uh, some some industrial real estate to other parties in the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have done that. So. Um, But yeah, we we do recognize that as a situation. We are fortunate that we've come into this uh, with literally thousands of acres of land.
0: So what do you see for values of
3: industrial properties? Uh, What are the trends there you see, Larry? Well, um, you know, people always try to call the the change in cap rates and (laughs) when is it gonna start turning the other way? Mm -hmm. Um, The forces that are in effect right now with the Federal Reserve trying to raise rates and, and actually doing it, as we said, eight times already, um, those tend to have a tendency eventually to push rates up, but it isn't immediate and it, and it hasn't happened really yet. Uh, we're still seeing very good cap rates and um, you know, it's, it, it's a good time to be a seller, we think, uh, from our perspective. So um, you know, we feel good about them. I would say that the, te- the trend right now we're seeing is flat and then maybe some upward pressure, uh, but there's still a lot of money out there that is trying to be placed in industrial real estate. And whenever you try to sell something that is a prime property with a strong lease behind it and a good term, you know, that is a primo um, investment. And we're seeing tremendous demand for those products.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're doing the same thing. When, when we put industrial properties on the market, it's a, uh, you know, and I think it's one of the favorite classes, right? Is the, you know, like you said earlier, you know, the outlook for it is strong. So, what do you see for tenant traffic, for users, for the people that uh, you lease
3: to? Are you seeing what are you seeing trends there? Is that growing? Is that steady? Uh, we, well, I'll, I'll tell you the thing that I guess I would pick out about that is um, when the market started turning around, the the big leader really was large regional distribution centers in the eight hundred thousand to one point two million size range, and. You know, everybody was celebrating those and saying, hey, the market's back and market's back. And, you know, we were throwing the flag up and saying, well, for one segment of the market, (laughs) there's a tremendous amount of new activity. Mm -hmm. But uh, what was noticeable for years, really, during this expansion in the, call it the 2011, 12, 13, 14 range, there was very little in the 150 to 200,000 range. you know that those size buildings are really the bread and butter and, and of of, uh, of an expansion in industrial, and now we're seeing that we're seeing a lot of demand, and when we're putting up buildings in that size range, we're seeing people take them you know pretty quickly, and um, you know, we've got got one right now that we're building that we haven't got the slab poured yet, and we're actively engaged in trying to to finish lease negotiations on it, so. Um, that's that's a sign of a strong market, and uh, you know we we're going to keep an eye on it. We don't think that you know the cycle will go forever without having another recession. That's um, that's that's not that's not possible. Trees don't grow to the sky, <laughs> as they say. Um, but um, but we, we do see strong demand, and we're seeing it in that bread and butter for us size range. And so that's what we're tending to bring to the market.
0: Yeah. Well, Larry, what would you leave our audience with related to? logistics or industrial real estate or, or flex or anything you see out there
3: well I, I'll, I'll tell you this uh, this year uh, and this only happened a couple of months ago um, animal crackers those are things that you know all of you are familiar with those little boxes that you know you used to get as a kid and loved on the front of that box those were animals that were in cages and it's probably animal rights activists that, that pushed it the other way. But now if you go see an animal crackers box, those animals are running wild. <laughs> and uh, there's an economic term called animal spirits. Mm-hmm. And every time I think of that, that box, I think of animal spirits. So these are good times. Um, the whole market, the whole economy, and particularly real estate is driven by confidence. Mm-hmm. And um, you don't want to be overconfident. You don't want to get exuberant and then we you know, cause or contribute to um, a recession, but we are seeing a strong economy that is not on the verge of going away. So I would say pay attention to those animal cracker boxes. I think these are good times.
0: Yeah, so there's a bit of caution there uh, in that message, right? Let's sure. not overbuild or over overbid up property prices or
3: Well, if you have the animals loose on the savannah, they can turn on each other. (laughs) But they are loose and running. (laughs) That's right. Well, Larry, thanks for joining us. Sure. Glad to do it.
0: All right. Uh, Well, stay with us. Uh, We have another segment for you. Up next, I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Promote your business to the U.S. commercial real estate industry. Click Advertise at the show website, CREShow.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. This segment is brought to you by CommercialAgentSuccess.com. It is the ultimate video training for commercial real estate agents. Check it out at commercialagentsuccess.com. And well today we're talking about industrial real estate, which seems to encompass the economy, retail, everything these days, and also encompasses the ports, the logistics, how we're getting these products around the country. Well, please welcome my next guest, Bart Gobiel. He's Senior Director of Governmental Affairs and Economic Development with the Georgia Port Authority. And he's joining us on Skype today. Bart, good to see you again.
2: Good to see you again, Michael. Thanks for having us on.
0: So, Bart, it seems like the goods coming in and out of the country, uh, coming in and out of ports like yours is, uh, could be a bit of an indicator of, of the economy and what's going on, especially with these uh, tariff talks and things. What kind of volume are you guys seeing?
2: Yeah, we're, we're seeing continued growth. Um, and. Uh, we, get, we get a lot of questions about tariffs and uh, the potential impacts that they have. And, of course, we're, we're continuing to monitor those, uh, what's going on. But there are certain things that we can't control in Washington. So we deal with what we know and, and we what the rules of the game are right now uh, and, and move forward uh, within the current structure. Uh, but we're seeing a continued growth. Um, just alone uh, in, in August, uh, we were up uh, uh, 8% over our previous August in, in uh, 2017. And then looking at July, we were up twelve and a half percent over the previous July of, of 2017 in, and in 2018. So of 2017, excuse me. So we're seeing a continued growth, uh, a continued growth pattern, and it just shows you how white hot the economy is right now. Um, so with, even with all talks of tariffs and, and, and trade issues, um, you're seeing the consumer demand on both sides, and ports like us that are that are import and export balanced, uh, you're seeing uh, uh, that, that continued growth in uh, that continued demand throughout the world.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting to you know, talk to you because you're there at that pivot point, import, exports, and you're talking to, to the players doing that. So any indications from discussions or, or contracts or movements with these companies as to what to expect moving forward?
2: Well, we're in the uh, we're, we're kind of gearing up for our peak season. We're kind of almost in the middle of it, as, as you can imagine, to get ready for uh, that Christmas season. Uh, and and uh, we're seeing, and we take a look at what's on the water, what's coming in uh, over the next couple of weeks, now, next month or so. Um, you know, products just doesn't doesn't leave one country and show up here the next day, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we, we continue to prepare uh, for that. And, and again, things uh, seem to be uh, continue to be positive uh, uh, for us, and and really throughout. Uh, other ports uh, in the United States, um, you know, uh, up and down uh, on the East Coast as well as the West Coast, uh, that uh, they're continuing to hit record numbers or near record numbers, uh, like we have as well. Uh, and so there is a, a continued confidence level uh, in not only the economy, uh, but with I think with certain trade deals that are kind of been been, uh, been announced uh, on the national level, uh, you're seeing uh, you're seeing that continuation.
0: Okay. And it seems like logistics is changing and becoming much more important these days. Everybody wants everything very fast. Uh, seems like uh, when you look at uh, the trucking industry, seems like there's a, a lack of truck drivers. What are you guys seeing uh, from your desk?
2: Sure. there, There, there is. A, it's a... Uh... You, you're seeing that retirement age uh, of, for truck drivers, uh, uh, or the average age for truck drivers, uh, kind of getting to that upper 50s, lower 60s number. Um, and so, number one, what we're doing uh, on the local level uh, is working with our technical college systems and, and ensuring that there is a, uh, a, a supply of truckers. Uh, but then on the national level, uh, with certain federal regulations and electronic logs, uh, we're 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 having a, as an industry, in all industries, not just the logistics industries. Uh, are having a little bit of of difficulty filling positions uh, in trucking. You see that a little bit at rates uh, uh, nationally as well. Um, And and so these electronic log rules – mandate certain hours or, or limit certain hours for truckers. So as a result, what do we do then? We invest in other opportunities. We continue to invest in our, our, our friends and, and in the logistics and trucking industry, but then also on the intermodal or rail side of things. So what we're doing here at the Georgia Ports is undertaking about $160 million project to double our capacity for rail lifts. So we're going to move from 500 to 1 million 500,000 to 1 million lifts. This is a, a three-year project. It's, it's we received a, a grant from the federal uh, uh, government uh, of about $40 million or so, uh, and the rest are coming out of our, our capital. But what that allows us to do is to reach further into the United States. We build a full train here in Savannah, Georgia, that will ultimately get to and directly to Chicago, Columbus, Ohio, uh, Memphis, Tennessee, uh, and, and maybe even a further uh, further west as well. So we're seeing um, how do we balance this uh, this trade on what products coming in and what products going out on the docks, but then how are we getting it in and out of the gate as well and uh, to the markets uh, uh, throughout the United States. So it's it's a we've seen and, and as, as as we announced that we've actually seen um, continued increases in our rail or slash intermodal usage uh, in numbers here in Savannah.
0: Yeah, that's quite a uh, increase and and quite a big project. So you're talking right. about trucks earlier and the and the lack of of drivers. So have you had a truck pull in yet uh, without a driver, a driverless truck yet?
2: <laughs> not not yet.
0: That's got to be a spooky thing when that one shows up, right?
2: Yeah, it is, and that you know it's one of those where. Well, what's driving what is it is the technology driving you know or is it regulations driving the technology um mm-hmm. in the united states and there's a lot of talk about it uh there's there's a lot of uh, of, of uh not challenges but uh, you know uh, of, of different things that that, that folks uh, have to go through uh from the local dot's the state dot um and and you know we've had a lot of people approach us to say, how can uh, we uh, help facilitate that, but I, I still think it's, it's further on down the road, uh, but there are some you know, kind of the platooning efforts and some other things um, where you can put folks in a, in a cab and switch off uh, to continue their limits uh, and to make sure they're under their limits of, of what they're allowed to drive per day. Uh, but no, 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 uh, no driverless vehicles have or uh, on the truck side of things have shown up at the port. Be mm-hmm. uh, interesting if it did. Uh, I think we'd have a lot of questions of what's going on <laughs> and how it got yeah. here. <laughs> yeah,
0: and that's going to be interesting. So when I when uh, my son sees a trucker and tries to get him to blow the horn, there's no one there. How does that driverless truck know to blow the horn, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's blowing the horn yeah. at that point,
2: you might want to get out of the way.
0: That's it. right <laughs> we get out of the way. What about electric trucks? Have you seen those yet?
2: Um, no. What uh, we've seen, we have not, uh, to be honest with you, we, uh, uh, we, we're, we're, we, have a, we have some discussions here and there, but no, nothing on the electronic truck side uh, as well right now.
0: Yeah. Well, that's interesting. That uh, would seem like potentially a part of the future to, to have uh,
2: uh, electric battery uh, powered trucks. What, yeah, it, it, you know, again, it's going to look, you know, to an extent, let the market dictate that. And, you know, if uh, where's where are prices, what's how much of the, uh, of the costs uh, are, are in, uh, are in the building the truck, maintaining the truck on, on electric side. But also, are you, you know, where are you located, a non-tainment area or, you know, different things going on uh, with that on, on the federal regulations? too. Yeah. Well,
0: what would you leave our audience with, Bart, related to to the ports and logistics and uh, what you see?
2: Um, well, you know, obviously logistics we're are continuing to, to grow. Uh, we're seeing a lot of uh, on, on on the investment side of things uh, on the e-commerce fulfillment centers. I think you're seeing that uh, throughout the United States, uh, and that's kind of an interesting uh, aspect of, of 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 workforce questions too, as things become more uh, uh, modernized and things uh, within these fulfillment centers. Are, are much more automated, uh, and how is how is that going to change the dynamics of how the logistics industry operates, especially when you have the on-time inventory uh, to our end-use customers on the retail side of things, uh, and so we're in a, a very, um, a very opportunity, a very good uh, uh, opportunity, and at a crossroads uh, for us uh, in the logistics industries and on the port side of things as we continue to invest. In our infrastructure uh, not only here in savannah but throughout the united states uh, and other ports as well so uh, you know we're, we're we're keeping that balance of import export uh, so we're, we have a, a bright future ahead um, and as technology um, uh, moves into a heavy industrial uh, uh, industry like us um, we're, we're, we're ready for that challenge
0: yeah well that's great well and i sure appreciate the opportunity to have toured uh, the uh, the port down there with uh, the CCIM group I'm with. Uh, it yep. was very interesting to see uh, the operation there.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's a fascinating uh, operation. It's a fascinating operation, and we have some some good folks out on the terminal uh, that keep it that way. Uh, where uh, you, you you go and you show up in a, in a in a store, a retail store, you get your product online. Uh, There is a massive uh, workforce and supply chain behind that to make sure that you get the product you want when you want it. uh, And uh, we we are thankful for that workforce that we have and the the commitment that our team has uh, to our customers.
0: Yeah, thank you for that. Because if I go online this morning and order some uh, animal crackers or something, I want them fast. (laughs) Bart, (laughs) (laughs) thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us, sir. Yes, good to speak with you again. Thanks for having us on. All right, thank you. And thank you for joining us around the world, uh, around the uh, country or wherever you're watching or listening. We appreciate your comments, sharing the show. Let us know what you, think, what you think and share your comments. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. Asset and Occupancy Solutions. Bomi.org. Property and Facility Management Education. Commercial Agents Video training from Michael Ball. To access these great companies. Or for more videos, podcasts, and articles, visit CREShow.com.